if I found him on tradesman.ie, uh, come in and give me a quote. It was a good quote, very reasonable. And as he started to work and do the tile, it kind of surprised me. Cutting really was very simple. It was a really very easy part. The hard part in laying the tile was actually the wall because the wall was not completely perpendicular. It was tilted back on some parts and tilted this way on other parts. And in order to get the tile to be smooth, he had to level the wall and carefully place each tile in relation to the other tiles. He spent a huge amount of time laying the tile on that putty underneath it so it was all aligned. And if you look at the tile downstairs, it's perfectly flat. That was the complexity of it. That was the hard part in it. Sometimes we look at Christians that are really mature. And we might look at a Christian that seems to have a rich wisdom, spiritual insight. They have a deep, passionate love, the peace that, that just pervades them, spiritual power. And sometimes we can look at them and say, how does that work? How did they get that? And can I tell you, they got that way through their relationship with Jesus Christ. And really, they got that way, that relationship, through a time of daily walking with him. Through a time of devoted reading and prayer. And over the weeks and months and years, through the different seasons and highs and lows of life, they developed a spiritual maturity about them. But it was not what you think it is. They became a man of God or a woman of God, not through some character trait or some particular intelligence or particular discipline. They became that way because they spent time with God each day in daily devotions. And a rich and abundant relationship arose out of that. So I want to speak with you this morning about your relationship with the Lord, and then particularly a very practical part of that relationship on your devotional life. Now, I know many of you in here have daily devotions, and that's very good. Some of us don't. So I want to reach out to both of you this morning. For those of you who have a relationship, I want to show you there is a lot of room for growth and expansion in your relationship through devotions. And to those of you who don't have consistent devotions with the Lord, I hope to encourage you to see the importance of it in the future that you have with the Lord. Let's begin the sermon with the word of prayer. Father, we pray now for this sermon. We pray, Father, that you would teach us more about how we can grow through a time of daily devotions. We pray, God, that you would show us from your word how to have devotions what it consists of. Father, I pray that it would not be Dan Canavan's thoughts, but it would be your truth that is connecting us to you. So, Father, we pray especially for thy Holy Spirit and his empowerment now of the service. We step back and we leave it to his work to be accomplished in this hour. In Jesus' name, amen. So... When we talk about devotions, what we're really talking about is a relationship, a daily relationship with the Lord. 
And it really encompasses so much of your life, so many parts of your life. When we talk about all of the different aspects of your life, what we're really talking about is this ongoing relationship with the Lord, where you're remaining close and intimately connected with Him throughout your life, to where you walk with Him. And in that walking with Him, we find love, we find forgiveness, we find faith, we find strength, we find the guidance that we need. But it is all based upon the relationship that we have with Him. That relationship is, that continued connection is what makes us able to walk with Him. Look with me in 2 Corinthians chapter 3 and verse number 18. I want to show you something here really quick. 2 Corinthians chapter 3 and verse number 18, he says, But we all, and so that's every born-again believer, all of us, each one of us, with open face, beholding as in a glass the glory of the Lord. Now he speaks of an open face because when you were redeemed, when God saved you, at that moment he lifted the veil. Before that, we were dead in our sins, and the Jews still have the veil, being dead in their sins, pulled across them. So they don't see and know God. But when you came to that point in your life where you repented and believed to the saving of your soul and God saved you, you were made so different. You were transformed at that moment and became born again. Now you have an open face and you're beholding as in a mirror the glory of the Lord. Mirrors reflect light because light reveals. So you can see my suit is a, is a dark gray because light, there's reflecting. Without light, you cannot see. Light bounces off and hits the back of your retina and translates into an optical signal that your, your brain interprets. So light reveals. So in the mirror, we see God's glory. And an amazing thing happens. As you see his glory, you are changed from glory to greater levels of his glory. And he's speaking of Christ within you. When Moses saw God on the mount, he saw him only for a little while. And the glory gradually faded. But Christ indwells you. And that glory persists. And as you perceive him in daily devotions, as you see him in your reading in the morning, as you see him in that prayer time where he is so present, you are changed from glory to glory, to greater depths, greater richness and abundance. You reflect more and more of his glory, even as by the Spirit of the Lord, even as God makes this work possible in each one of our lives. So when we speak of this relationship, we're talking about walking with him in that devotions so that we're communicating and spending time. But let's break this down a little bit more. When you talk about a relationship, what are we really talking about? Let's put it in more human terms. A relationship has many parts, but there's two primary parts. And one of the first primary part is communication. All relationships have a level of transparency, have a level of, of, of concern whereby you are connecting with another person. The level of 
that communication reveals things about that relationship. Now, I have a relationship with Beth. We'll be married 30 years in November, and we talk, we communicate, we share life. She shares with me. The ladies had a great Bible study on Friday night. I know your lesson. I know some of the things she was going to share with you um, because she talks about what she's going through in life, and I talk about what I'm going through, and we communicate openly with each other, and that's an important part of any relationship. It is taking that level of intimacy and increasing it through the time that you spend talking with each other. And if you're married uh, this morning, don't ever neglect that time that you spend talking to each other. Communicate, even texting and talking on the phone is, is good, but especially that face-to-face -face time where you have a cup of coffee in the morning with your wife or your husband. You talk over dinner. Maybe after you put the kids to bed together, you have a time to where you talk with each other. You're sharing with each other. You're listening to each other. You're communicating with each other. That's relationship. You see, you see that also in your relationship with the Lord. How many times have you read the Psalms? And as you were reading the Psalms, you look at David, and he is really speaking some really amazing things. The full breadth of human thought and emotion is communicated in his prayers. As he goes deep in some valleys and high on some mountains, we begin to see David communicating with the Lord in every part of his life. He's talking to the Lord, listening to the Lord. He has this deep, rich relationship, and it's seen through his communication. It's seen through the way that he is talking and your communication with God, whereby you talk with him, where you share with him the burden. You praise him for the blessing. You're relating to him through communication. You're allowing him to speak and to guide. You're sensitive to his leading through the word. You're, you're, you're sensing how your life is aligned and how he says your life should be aligned. That communication is just a very, very important part of where we are at with the Lord. And if we have open and sincere and consistent communication, that reveals a growing relationship. But if we don't have that communication, where we're talking with him and listening to him and relating to him deeply, intimately, through the, through the struggles of life, it reveals um, a lack of growth and a, way, a need to draw closer to him. The second part of a relationship is time together. And that means that there has to be, in our relationships, time where you go through life together. It's not just talking. It's time with each other. Now, again, Beth and I have been married for a good while, 30 years in November, and, and um, I've, I've enjoyed the fact that I haven't been drawn away much, that we get to spend each day together because we grow together through these different periods of life. Um, she has to go back in, in late April. She's going to go back for a few weeks because Hannah, my daughter-in-law, is going to have her granddaughter, and she wants to be with her to help her after the pregnancy. 
And can I tell you, that's not going to be a happy time for me. <laughs> that's not going to be an easy time. Here's my sweetie, and I, I could talk with her. We talk every day on the phone and with text and everything like that, but I want time with her, time sharing a cup of coffee, time going for a walk, time being together. That is an important part of relationship, and so too of your relationship with the Lord. How much time do we give to the Lord? There's 168 hours in the week. How much time do we spend on social media? Surfing, news, what a waste of time that is. How much time do we spend on different parts of our life that are really non-essential? And how much time do we spend communicating with the Lord? How much time? Because we'll never have the relationship God wants us to have. We'll never have the depth of relationship with God until we spend time with him. Can I tell you? That if you know some men and women of God who really walk with him, they spend copious amounts of time, abundant amount, amounts of time with him in their devotions. You know, when you first start in your devotions, consistency is key. I'll talk about that in a minute. And it might just be a minute reading and a minute praying. Starting, consistency is the key. But you know, as you start going on with the Lord, you're reading not just a few chapters. You're meditating not just for a few minutes. You're walking with him. You're growing in him. And there are men that read through the Bible four times a year, the entire Bible. They spend quite a bit of time in prayer. And I don't want to get onto this thing about exhibiting, but I want to tell you that if we're going to grow deeper, it is going to be more than the box we put God in and say, God, this is your time. Let me give an example. If you had a deep relationship with somebody and you said, okay, you know, a deep relationship. You got this 30 minutes, and that's it. Don't ever contact me outside of that 30 minutes once a week. It wouldn't be much of a relationship. Relationships are ongoing. There, there are times where we're connecting. And in the same way with the Lord, there is time that we're giving him to serve him. There's time to worship him, time to adore him. Time to live for him and witness for him. That time together is another important part of a relationship that we all have. So if we were to bring those two things together, we would have what we call daily devotions. Now this is my definition of devotions. It refers to a sincere commitment to the Lord whereby time is set apart each day Time is given to him to intimately communicate with him. So every day there is a consistent time where I meet with him, fellowship with him, love him. I am guided by him. This is the key to your growth. This is key to you becoming the person that you want to become. Can I tell you that where you're at in your spiritual life now and where you will be at in three years or ten years is very, very much related to what your devotions are like right now. It's very true. Where you are as a believer will be determined by the quality and quantity of your devotional life. That commitment whereby you meet with him 
each morning, of each day, it is a priority in your life, and you dwell with them, that is going to determine, to a large degree, tenderness of heart is also an important part, obedience to what you learn. These are also important parts. But the heart of it, the foundation of it, is that morning devotion that you have with him. If that morning devotion is rich, if it is committed, if you're bearing your soul before God and have that time to grow with him, can I tell you that you are going to be, all things being equal, a rich, spiritually rich, deep believer in the months and years ahead. But if that devotional life is weak, if that devotional life is not consistent, if that devotional life is not a priority in your life, if you are not willing to be inconvenienced to have that devotional life, can I tell you that your devotional life is revealing what your spiritual life is and will continue to be? When we get together for a family holiday, you know, one of the things we do in October, I'm trying to meet with the kids and uh, rent a little, little cabin off the ocean. And they're all pastors or pastor's wives. And what do you think our mornings are like? Well, mornings are easygoing, not demanding. We don't schedule anything. If, we're, if me and the guys are going to go play, do a little bit of golf, that's later in the morning. And it kind of eats up the whole day because if we got out early in the morning, it would be a lot easier. Get out early and get your golf done before lunch. But no, no. That time whereby we each are meeting with him, being filled with the Spirit, confessing sin, walking with him, so they each have time to get their kids up and have their devotion. And I can I tell you, it's like 10 o'clock in the morning before we're ready to roll. But that's a good holiday. It's not as full, it's not as complete, but it's, it's a good time together in the Lord. That's the kind of life that I'm talking about. Now I realize we get up in the morning, someone has to be at work at 7 in the morning or 7.30, but that's backing up your night before and going to bed earlier and getting up earlier so you have that time for that devotion because that is going to determine what your relationship with the Lord is like. Do you know I went a time over 20 years where I never missed that time of devotions. I went over 20 years where I never missed it once. Never missed it. I only had a great crisis in my life three years ago where I missed it. Um, but that is what determines what is going to happen in your life. All right, so devotions have two key parts. We're opening the Bible and letting God speak to me. And I'm closing my eyes in prayer and allowing God to communicate um, with me and me with him. It is the, when you close your eyes in prayer, there is a sense to where you're listening. You're, you're communicating also in prayer, but you're also listening to him as he speaks. So I just want to be really basic this morning, really, really basic. Really, the best time for devotions and the pattern in the Bible is first thing each morning. I want to show you some verses up here on the screen. And notice with me when they worship Moses. I mean, Moses, he's the big man. One of the big men in the Old Testament. He wrote all the words of the Lord and rose up early in the morning and built an altar, a place of sacrifice, a place of devotion to God, showing God is of great value through his offering, his altar. Notice with me that Samuel and uh, 
in 1 Samuel, it reads of uh, Aphahana. They rose up early in the morning and worshiped before the Lord. How did Hannah produce the Samuel? She's the type of person who's rising up early and worshiping before she gets busy with breakfast, before she gets busy getting the kids dressed. Before these things, she's worshiping him. Job sent and sanctified them and rose up early, early in the morning and offered a burnt offering. Burnt offering was an offering that was completely consumed, showing complete dedication to God. He offers the burnt offering early in the morning. Over and over again, we see this period. Hezekiah, uh, which the Bible says is, is, is a great king, one of the greatest kings in the Old Testament. He rose up early and gathered the rulers of the city, and he brings them. They went up into the house of the Lord. First thing, let's get right with God and then conduct the business of the city. So we, when we know the Lord, we will rise up early and we will fellowship with him at that time. Now, we're beginning to see there is a pattern here of them placing the Lord first because first reveals significance. It reveals importance. So when you come to your day and you open that day first with your fellowship with the Lord. So before you have read the news, before you have looked at Facebook, before you've um, maybe cleaned the kitchen, before you have done anything that day, the first thing you've done is you have sat down, opened your Bible, read and closed your eyes and prayed. You did that first and that shows significance. That's why it's early in the morning. So we can have relationship with God throughout the day, but there needs to be a time that is dedicated to him. So when you have your devotion first in the morning, essentially what you're doing is you're christening the day. You're establishing the day. You're dedicating this day to him, that you and God are going to walk together through this day through whatever struggles it brings at work, whatever wisdom might be needed, you have the mind of Christ. You have his peace that is greater than any circumstance. You have his power, the power of the Spirit, which gives you the ability to love and forgive and work with people. You're gaining that through that time with him early in the morning. You see, when you do it early, you're revealing that it is a priority in your life. It is important in your life. In Isaiah 44, 6, you can turn it with me if you want. Isaiah 44, 6, we see the Lord describing himself. And he describes his character, that he is important or he is valuable because he is first. Isaiah 44, 6, thus saith the Lord, the King of Israel, and his Redeemer, the Lord of hosts, I am the first, and I am the last. Beside me there is no God. I cover the full gamut of life. I am the most important and pervade every level, every aspect of life. I am Lord. I am sovereign over. Do you realize that we now meet on the first day of the week, showing because the first day is the day of significance. Learn that pattern in the Bible. When God wants to reveal something has authority, value, he always places it first. 
in the life of his people. There's a verse in Exodus 23 and verse 19 says, The first of the first fruits of thy land shall thou bring into the house of the Lord thy God. First fruits was the first part of the harvest. Harvest might go on for a little while, but the first part of the harvest was the first fruits. And God said, not only do I want the first fruits, I want the first part of the first fruits. I want to be without question first in your life. I never want to receive what is left over. I, I don't want that which is torn, that which has no value. I want you to dedicate to me that which is first. So that is why we give him the first part of our day. God, you are first in my life. And by the way, whenever we make an offering, we always give him the first part of the offering. Not after we've paid our rent and after we bought our groceries. No, before we do those things, he is first in our life. So I pay him first. It's a very, very important principle, and it's repeated throughout the Bible. Look with me in Numbers chapter uh, 15 and verse 19. Numbers chapter 15 and verse number 19. And then shall it be that when ye eat of the bread of the land, you shall offer up an heave offering unto the Lord. You shall offer up a cake of the first of your dough for an heave offering. As you do the heave offering of the threshing floor, so shall you heave it. Of the first of your dough shall you give unto the Lord an heave offering of your generation. <clears throat> what he's saying is, when you make this offering, they heaved it before the Lord to present it to him first and then did with it what they were prescribed to do. But he says, the very first part of the dough, that's mine. The very first part of the first fruits, that's mine. You're to meet with me on the very first day of the week, which is Sunday, because that is the day of priority. In Numbers 18, 12, and he says, all the best of the loyal and the best of the wine and the wheat the first fruits of them, which they shall gather unto the Lord, them have I given them. You see, when the Lord is first, it's easy to give time to serve him. When he is first, it is easy to, in, to hold to his values in life. You see, when he is first in my life, it is not a problem for me to do what he's asked me to do because he is first. And that firstness will be reflected in very practical ways in the way that you serve, in the way that you have your devotions, the way that you give, the way that you express your Christian life. He'll all be seen. It will all be seen through the firstness in your life. So, he is first. He is a relationship that is a relationship we have with him whereby we communicate with him, we talk with him, we spend time with him in the first part of the day. But let's go a little bit more. What is the devotional time itself like? Look with me in Mark chapter 1 and verse 35. So how do we have devotions? What do we do? So what does the devotion look like? So if I'm going to have devotions, where do I begin? We begin with a place of aloneness. Mark chapter 1 and verse 35. And in the morning, rising up, Jesus, rising up a great while before day, he went out and departed into a solitary place. 
and there prayed. Notice he didn't pray where he was. He went to a place of isolation. He went to a place of aloneness, a place of separation. He went to a place to where he was alone with the Father because God was a priority in his life. The time could not be diluted by distraction. It could not be obstructed by the demands of life. He went away to this corner, to this chair, to this place. One of the reasons why the morning time is so important is because if you're a mom, you know there's a lot of things going on in the morning as you're getting the family together, as you're getting the meal together. And getting up before all that starts and giving God that relational time and having that relational time is crucial to your walk with him. You could be a great mother in so many ways, but can I tell you, your walk with the Lord is what is going to give your mothering that richness, that depth, that wisdom, that spiritual power that they're going to need. Men, we need that time before the demands of, of being responsible for the home, the provider of the home, the leader of the home, before we act out of human wisdom and our earthly ideas, we need to meet with him and find out what it is that he has for us. So when we are alone, there's no wayward thoughts because our minds so easily wander. The TV is off. The radio is off. The computer is off. Everything is turned off. There is nothing going on but the Bible in your lap. That is the only focus that is occurring at that particular moment. Within that time of focus and concentration, we begin to meet with him. Now, the first aspect of it is possibly a quick prayer to, to ask God for his help and his guidance, maybe a confession of sin. But essentially, we're preparing for time in his word. So the first half of the devotion is really centered on Bible reading. How many of you have a plan for your reading when you read the Bible? Do you have a, a progression that you're going through in the Bible? It's a good way to become familiar with all of the Bible. Maybe you're just working through a book. Well, pick a book and work through the book. Maybe a book you're not familiar with. Read through it and get what you can out of it and begin to learn more about him through that. You know, we have to develop as believers the discipline of reading. The discipline, not just of consuming video, not just of consuming what we're hearing, but actually reading, reading consistently every day. Moms and dads, teach your children to read. Develop a library of quality Christian books whereby they are reading because readers really are leaders. And when we're reading the word of God, we're growing, we're, we're beholding him. That mirror is actually a re reference to the Bible that through the mirror of God's word, we see him, we perceive him, and we know him. Are you reading? Now, I read with a plan, but I also read freely. So if you're reading according to a plan, one of the keys is to not get too tied into the plan, but actually give yourself some freedom to read outside of it. Sometimes I really want to read a psalm. Sometimes I need the practical but firm wisdom of Proverbs. Sometimes I need the richness of, of the Gospels as it so beautifully reveals Christ. Sometimes I need that hard logic of Paul where he is just 
analytically taking apart biblical truth and just feeding it to us. Sometimes I need to learn from the biographies in the first third of the Bible as the Bible's giving its chronological role of people and figures in the Bible. Seeing David before Goliath, seeing Moses on the mountain, seeing Abraham offering Isaac, seeing the, um, the judges, the prophets, the kings. It's all teaching us and it's all accessed through reading. So are you reading the Bible? I want to stop here and say the consistency is key. If you're, if you're having devotions or you're not having devotions, the, the key is to do have a devotion every day. Far better to have five-minute devotions every day than a two-hour devotion one day a week. Much better. Much, much better. So if you're not having devotions, you're not having, you don't have that discipline yet, number one, pray because Satan will obstruct you. He will keep you from that devotion. It's hard. It's, this is not just a physical discipline. There's a spiritual battle that goes on here. He will keep you from that. Pray and seek God. Then establish a simple pattern. Okay? I don't have a lot of time. I'm going to spend two minutes reading my Bible and two minutes in prayer. Hey, if that's all you got to start, that's all you got. Start there. Start somewhere. Two minutes in the Bible, two minutes in prayer. That's a place to begin. Do it every day for 30 days. That will establish the pattern. Every day, I got two minutes to pray and two minutes to read. Every day. And then start building that thing out a little bit. Maybe five minutes, you know? Getting up a little bit earlier. It's programmed, it's planned, it's priority. I got five minutes in prayer and five minutes in Bible reading. The key is the consistency. That is so important. Every day I'm doing this. Before I got up today and studied my sermon again, I had my devotions. I was reading in the Word. I do this every day. I'm reading and I'm praying and I'm giving God some pretty copious amounts of time in my devotions. And if you're having devotions, are those devotions expanding? Is it, is it growing? Maybe you have consistency, but are you growing in the other areas of devotions? When you're reading the Bible, is there a promise that you can claim, that you can name, your, put your name in, and say, God is speaking to me, and this is his promise to me in the Word. The Bible's filled with rich promises that he wants you to hold on to. Is there something I need to learn here? Is there an area of my life where I'm uninformed as to what the Bible is saying? What do I need to see? Is there a command that God is leading me to obey? Is there something I have neglected to do? As you're reading, it's interactive. Your mind is alert. It's quick. You're thinking. You're, you're, you're looking at yourself in light of the Scripture. You're beholding His glory and seeing yourself in comparison to that. And you're making changes according to that. It requires a certain degree of meditation. And what it means is you're rehearsing it. You're slowing down. That's why you're alone. And you're in the Word and you're kind of thinking through where you're at and where God wants you to be. Going through it over and over. You know, sometimes in my devotions, I'll only read three verses. There's sometimes in my devotions, I'll get so hit with something that I'm just comparing that to every area of my life. And I'm like, wow. That was good. Earlier this week, I was praying for vision in the church and for leadership, and God led me to a couple verses, and it just gripped me. And I went back to it over and over and over again. 
The Bible's living, it's alive, it's real, it's speaking to you, it's addressing you, it's guiding you, it's saying, hey, I am here and I have something for you through this word. That comes through meditating, through thinking and chewing and going over the Bible over and over again and holding yourself in its glorious light. Another aspect of Bible reading is study. It's a little bit more advanced. This is not the two minutes in the morning or two minutes in, in the uh, two minutes Bible reading, two minutes praying. That's a great start. But some of you have been having devotions for a while, and every once in a while you're reading a word, and you want to go a little deeper with that. And so you break up on a concordance that you bought, that you have at your house. Maybe a Bible dictionary, Eason's Bible dictionary. There are some back there. You have a study Bible, and you're looking at cross-references. You see, as you're growing, you're beginning to get a sense of what God's saying. The Bible is perfect in its consistency. So you're connecting the different things that are being taught in different parts of the Bible, and it's syncing with you. You're gaining this really rich and deep understanding of what the Bible is teaching about who you are as a person, about who he is and what his future for your life is. You have that sense of knowing him through your Bible. Listen, our world is rapidly changing. Attitudes and philosophies have shifted hugely in the last 20 years. And if we are going by the current and the culture of our day, we will be afloat. We will be out to sea. We need to study the Bible. And we need the word of God for our family. Moms and dads, if you have children... You need to be deep in the word. You need to have a word from God to give them. As they come home from school, it is secular. It is heathen. And what isn't heathen is baked in, in Catholicism. And we need to unpack that with our kids. We need to talk with them about evolution. We need to talk with them about relationships. And we need to do it from the premise of the Bible. And not just what I think but opening the Bible because we know what to teach them and we know how to guide them. And that comes through study. How much of your time is spent in study of the Bible? So in my Bible devotions now, at this stage of life, just, just for a way of, by way of example, I have study in my devotions. I'm reading and I'm going off on a couple cross-references. I'm looking up a couple words. I'm kind of thinking about this thing. I'm meditating, studying. That's part of the discipline, not just reading, but there's a, there's a sense of exploration. You're investigating what is going on in your devotional time. So consistently reading the Bible every day, whereby you're studying and meditating and growing in it, that is the crucial part of your relationship with the Lord. That is the crucial part of how you grow. Before I became pastor, I was an electronic technician, and you can't see electricity. You can't hear electricity. Electricity is invisible. It's in the walls around you. It's powering the screen above you. It's lighting, the, lighting you. But electricity can only be sensed through test measurements. So I went to school. The Marine Corps sent me to a, to a school to learn how to be an electronic technician. And can I tell you, the first few years I did that, I was terrible at it. <laughs> it was really hard. I had a really hard time reading the schematics and the diagrams. They were complex. There were microprocessors. There were signals going everywhere. But after a few years, 
I started to work my way around the oscilloscopes and spectrum analyzers and all these different probes, and I could get accurate readings. I could get a sense of what was going on in this invisible world and where the problems were and how they could be fixed. You are in a world where there are spiritual forces converging. There are things that are happening in your family that you will only understand through that comprehension of God's word where he begins to unlock it and he begins to reveal it. You might have things in your life, weak areas in your life that could be a spiritual block and God can be leading you out of that. But that's only going to come through that time of devotion every day where you are walking with him, where you are meeting with him in his word. For everyone that useth milk is unskillful in the word of righteousness, for he is a babe. But strong meat belongeth to them who are of full age, even those who by reason of use have their senses exercised to discern both good and evil. It's referring to someone who's used the Bible in their life consistently every day. They've gotten, they've met with God in the morning. They know him, they walk with him. And they're using it to compare things throughout life. And they gradually increase in their discernment. And now they feed on the meat of the word. Do we feed on the meat? Or are we being taught the basics over and over again? Are we at that place in our life? We get there through our devotions. Finally, the second half, I'm almost done, is prayer. Prayer is that communication with God. It is the getting alone and coming to him. So after you've had your time in the word, there should be a time to where you become very, very still, very, very quiet. And sometimes in my prayer time that can be quick, but sometimes it's quite a bit of time. Sometimes it takes a while to get still and to come into his presence. And I want to know him. It's not my idea. It's not my, my thoughts. I've been fed, and now I want to walk with him. I want to see him. I want his presence. It means I got to get still. I got to get quiet before Almighty God. And as I get quiet, I then come into the presence of my Father. The Bible tells us in Matthew 6 9, after this manner, therefore pray you, our Father, which art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Let your name be set apart. So I begin by praying to the Father. In Jesus' name, because of what Jesus has done for me on the cross, he has paid for my sins, I now have the privilege of coming before my Father. In Jesus' name, Father, this is what my needs are. This is what is going on in my life. It begins especially with a word of confession. So as you come into his presence, he's going to reveal things in your life that are out of alignment that are not quite in sync with where he wants you to be. So the first part of prayer will always be a point of confession. Look with me in Psalm 139 and verse 23. Psalms 129 and verse number 23. You know, sometimes what we think is sin really is not sin. Sometimes it's, it's human guilt, pride. Um, it's not really what the Lord is saying or speaking. Sometimes... We know what the Lord is saying and we're simply numb to it. We don't want to follow through or obey it. This time of confession is a time of being open, being real before the Lord. 
with his word where he's beginning to speak and he is beginning to teach me and show me what I need to know. In Psalms 139, verse 23, the Bible says, Search me, O God, and know my heart. Try me and know my thoughts. And see if there be any wicked way in me. And lead me in the way everlasting. So it's coming to him so that he can reveal our sin. So as you get alone and you come to the Father... He's going to reveal what's keeping you from his presence, what's keeping you from knowing him and walking with him from that point of confession. He is then going to bring you to a time of asking. If you do asking before the confession, the asking is going to be hollow because God will not hear if we are not close to him, if we are not in relationship with him. There has to be the removal of that which is contrary to his will for our life. So we come before him, wholly surrendered to him, And then we begin to ask. Asking is the primary part of prayer. Not confession and not thanksgiving. Asking. So all prayer has a component of asking. So whenever you pray, you are seeking something from him. You're coming to him and saying, God, I need this. And that's not wrong. When you pray, you should ask. You should ask for strength in what God has given you to do in this life. And you're saying, God, I, I need you. I'm depending on you. Would you be with me in this? Would you help me in this? And God wants that. He wants that time with him. Now, really quick, this asking is very different in a devotional time than when we're driving in our car or sitting on the Lewis. Those are also times of asking, but they're harried, distracted, and difficult. This time of asking after we've bathed in the word, we've confessed and we've come into his presence is much deeper and much richer. This time of asking is where we go through and we pray for our children. We pray for our spouse. We pray about perhaps a future spouse that God will give us. This is the time where we pray for our church and we pray for, (laughs) sorry, pray for a pastor Um, because yeah, the devil, he goes after me. I need your prayers. So we pray for each other. We're asking. We're seeking answers to God. You know, we had some really cool, I meant to print off the prayer list today. We had a couple just really cool answers to prayer recently. We got the roof fixed. Praise the Lord. That was a big thing for almost a third of what, what, what the quote was. And John, he's, um, he's doing better medically. These are big answers to prayer. These are cool things the Lord's doing in our praise. Ask, and you shall receive. Seek, and you shall find. Knock and it shall be opened unto you. I'm confessing, and then I am saying, God, I am a lost sinner. I mean, lost in the sense I don't have the wisdom or knowledge that I need in this world. Give me, God, my daily bread. God, give me the strength to forgive. God, give me the wisdom that I need in this life. I'm confessing, and then I am most definitely asking, and then I'm praising him for the answers that he has given. It's good to make a list of what you're asking for because as God grants an answer to it, you can then be filled with thanksgiving. You know, we do the annual, we do, we do a couple different prayer marathons and I, I update the list. It takes me half a day to do it and I always forget something on it. But still, it's cool to see answers because as I update the list, there are definite things in every prayer list that have been answered. Several things in the prayer list have been answered. Occasionally, I'll, I'll put a note on it that that was answered. So when you have a list of what you're praying for, just a simple list, maybe it'll be complex over time, you have a reason to praise him, 
a reason to thank him, a reason to say, God, you are who you truly say you are. You are glorious and amazing beyond all telling. Do you have a time of devotions? Because my time in devotion and your time in devotions, that's what you will be. In three years, and 10 years, look at the quality of your devotion. It's a relationship. Does it have time? Does it have communication? Is it a priority? Have you made this time in the first part of every day where you have gotten alone with him? You're meeting with him in the word, reading, studying, meditating. You're praying. You're asking God for the needs that you have in your life. It is that time to start each day in devotions. If you're a believer and you've had devotions and you're consistently having devotions, have you grown in your devotions? How are your devotions different now than they were two years ago? In what way are you spending more quality time with him? What way is he being set apart more and more in your life? Don't be afraid to give him more time to grow in that devotion. Don't be afraid to have a richer and deeper life with him through this crucial part of the relationship, your morning devotions. I pray this was a help, that you're feeding on the word and in prayer in a time of designated devotion every morning. And if you're not, I pray that you'll begin maybe two minutes of Bible and two minutes of prayer to start. Be consistent for 30 days and then start to branch out a bit into a richer and deeper devotional life. Let's pray.